Tanel and Jeremy Tanel. Streaming to you recorded from Seattle, Washington. Here. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Plowline Podcast on this beautiful Sunday morning um, here in Washington State. Uh, sun is out, and it's going to be in the high 60s, which is a welcome change to the winter that we've had. Uh, I'm your host, Jeremy Tunnell, with my co-host, Jerry E. Balarosa Tunnell. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, everyone. Just wanted to, uh, yes, beautiful Sunday morning here in Seattle, Washington, just wanted to first acknowledge the land that we are on. We are on the land of the Snohomish people. So uh, we give thanks for allowing us to be here today. And exciting times. We uh, There's a lot of stuff that's going on in our world. And I think today's guest is going to bring a really amazing um, addition and different perspectives to what we're exploring out there. So we've got Tamiko Davis. Uh, she has more than 20 years experience in human resources. Most of her expertise is in talent acquisition. She worked for world-class companies like Microsoft and Google and has been responsible for growing multi-billion dollar businesses. Ms. Davis also has experience developing diversity recruiting plans and leading org-wide diversity recruiting efforts. Her undergraduate is in Business Administration from the University of Washington. Go Cougs. Oh, wait, sorry. Wrong one. Wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> and her MBA is from Seattle University. So, Tamiko, thank you so much for coming Welcome. on our podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. It's my very first podcast ever. I've done a lot of talking over the years, <laughs> but now it's being recorded. So, Welcome to me. And it is a beautiful day it is in a beautiful Seattle. Day. So Yeah. Where did you drive in from? Uh downtown. Downtown oh, Seattle. Yeah. Oh, nice. So I paid a toll for you folks. Oh right. <laughs> okay, so we better make this worth it then. Yeah, huh? yeah, worth it. Have you been through the tunnel yet? I have, finally, yeah. just once. Uh -huh. So obviously only going one way. And it was pretty cool. I do have to say it's like, wasn't this more lanes before and now we're just two each way? We're not a growing city, right? <clears throat> right. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> I but it's the beautiful. Exact same thing when I right. drove through it. I was like, huh, two lanes. I would have thought they would have made three. Mm hmm. Thanks, Maybe Bertha. Four. Right. <laughs> it's kind of scary, though. I heard that it's like when you drive in it, like, what if you were to get stuck? It, you know what? There's a There are exits um, every, like. Where does it exit to? The ocean. <laughs> Puget Sound. <laughs> yeah. Just right. keep swimming, just keep swimming. <laughs> exactly. That was my thought. That's why I haven't gone through it yet. But um, Go through it now when before it starts to get crowded. Right? Yeah. Right? It's still new. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, we need to drive through there. Anyway, uh, yeah, I wanted to, uh, you know, just uh, take a moment to kind of like um, just uh, honor and probably have a moment of silence for everything that happened over in New Zealand you know I mean it's like a it's a definitely scary times right now on what's going on and we had some really big things with the uh, varsity blues 
Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it's like here I am working on my PhD at 53 years old. And it was hard to do all that work. Right. You did it yourself? I, I Yes, I did oh. the SATs too myself. Wow. Apparently you don't have to do that. <laughs> I didn't know this was a thing, but you don't have to do it yourself. Right. Really. You pay mm. someone else to write your papers. Yeah, but it's like we don't I don't have I don't have the access to that kind of money. You mm. know what I mean? So Good point. Right. So I don't know I don't know how we would be able to make that happen. <laughs> keep swimming then. I know. Of course you're going I for know. your PhD, so you probably are interested in the learnings that right. go along with it. Right. So writing the papers and doing the reading is probably well i'm sure taxing right. is also enjoyable and you're learning as you're going as opposed to having <laughs> yes. somebody do it for you exactly exactly how do they do that though how do they do that i mean it's like students so somebody else will take the test and they show up to the classroom and they don't know anything and they're like wait how did you get in here right Right. How are you the person who was supposed to be here taking the test? Right. Or if you actually took the test, I understand answers were being changed if you had gotten them wrong. So how does it not just go through this automated system of, oh, okay, well, you, your scores are 900 on the SAT. Sorry right. that they, they are where they are, but that's where you that's where you landed versus, oh, no, this person got 900. This is the person who paid extra money. Right. We're going to go ahead and change these answers so that you can get to maybe 1400. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. And then you meet with them and they're stupid as. F- <laughs> <laughs> and, right. Well, you know, and it's funny because you think about all of these. So I've been in tech a very long time. And a lot of these tech companies go to these prestigious colleges and they hire supposedly the best of the best, best grades, you know, the, from the science, from the programs that they want, computer science, this and that. And next thing you know, this person becomes your boss, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, but you haven't done anything, right? <laughs> right? Like, you know, they come in sometimes on these fast track programs and fast track programs are good. Like we do, we do need them. And there are some people who are naturally strong at leadership that you probably should be grooming quicker to go to. But all those folks have a tendency to kind of look the same. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Rarely right. ever are they the person who came from the inner city that you spotted that happened to go to college and maybe not one of the top colleges. Right. How do we how do we get out of continuing to do the same thing again and again and again? And then you wonder, well, wow, our leadership team, well, we really need, right? You wait till you're 80,000 people, 100,000 people. Oh, we really, we really need some diverse folks here. Right. Where do we find them? Yeah. Well, yeah. when you started growing from the time that you were really small, you hired all your friends that went to Stanford or mm-hmm. maybe MIT mm-hmm. or Harvard, which oftentimes those are the privilege, not always. Right. But oftentimes those are the privilege. They were aware of the schools, knew that e- either knew who they needed to pay yep. or were smart enough to get in and get the grades that they needed. And then you went in and cherry picked those folks. And then the network referred the network, referred the network. So you got more of the same people doing work that they hadn't necessarily done before. Nothing wrong with that either. They get experience from being on the job. And then all of a sudden you're 80,000 people are like, you know, we really could use some diverse folks. Yeah. Um, who do we know? Okay, we don't know anybody. Let's go find them. Oh, you don't have the experience. Well, that's funny because you didn't either at one time. Right. When, when, it, when it mattered then too, and now all of a sudden, for me, 
I actually have to come to the table with a whole litany of experience that you actually didn't have to kind of do the same. Right. Like, how do we explain this in a way with a straight face? And I actually had this happen to me, <clears throat> excuse me, recently, that I talked to a fellow uh, who is the head of HR somewhere, a small company, never been in HR, never been the head of HR, right? If you haven't been in HR, you haven't been the head of HR. And he said to me, oh, we really need someone who's done talent acquisition, who's ran a team that's had like 25 more people than what you've ran. And all I could do in my head was just kind of squint. Hopefully it wasn't the outward squint where it's like, did you just hear yourself? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I just, I squinted. And I'm like, I could never work here anyway because it'd be all of these goalposts, mo goalposts moving every single time I needed to go do something yep. because you don't know me. So I'm having to prove and prove and reprove and prove some more and prove this and prove that. And I've already done these things. The difference between you and I is that I actually have. You have the experience, <laughs> right, yeah. But I don't know the people who own the company, who run the company, right? I don't know the CEO like you do. So right. then here we are sort of in this cycle Right. The cycle of you went to the right schools, you talked to the right people, you got the right networks, you floated on up. And then that cycle just continues. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then the people who are less privileged, whether you're of color and sometimes not, um, you don't have access to those same networks. Right. And there you are. You, you yeah. just described um, the, you know, the first corporate experience that I had with VoiceStream. Mm. Um, you know, which turned into T-Mobile. Yep. Um, you know, so I was in really early, um, and I I did well there. You know, I, nice. I, I um and uh, and so many of the people there, so much of the talent there, was coming in through fraternal organizations mm -hmm. um, that were coming out of the graduates of um, of local universities, UW, um, Eastern. Right. You know, any of the schools that had um, that had. Um, fraternities, um, you know, and people that ended up getting jobs there right. ended up bringing in those people. Right. Dozens right. of them. Right. Then you float up to management, mm -hmm. and now it's time for you to hire, right. and you go back to the same pool you just came from. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's how the talent pools right. ended up getting getting pulled. Right. Um, and uh, um, so that was, a, that was a perfect, perfectly accurate description. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And now they're looking to... Um, adding more equity and diversity mm -hmm. and inclusion, and they don't even know how to do that. Right. So they bring in someone that looked like you and me, mm -hmm. thinking that we will be <laughs> the answer. Right. <laughs> Not thinking about how we actually have to dismantle everything right. or actually go through all of the layers in order to make things happen and at each layer it's like are you ready to have the conversation no get pushed back right and then you go back again it's like all right we need to change things and you got to like go two layers deep and then you end up going five layers back and right. it's constant right it's a constant struggle to where do you really want to have dei in your place right or is it just me showing up every single day looking the way that i do is your dei enough mm -hmm. <laughs> And that's a great question, and it feels like nobody wants to say that the answer to some extent is yes. We just want you to come here, look like you, um, but sound like us, sound mm -hmm. like the majority, right. and that way you'll be fine. Yeah. Right. If you 
pushed back and you happen to be of color, you're the angry person of color. Mm -hmm. Even though you have 100% stake in the game, skin in the game, you love your company, it's, it's brought with their impressions of, I'll call it your people, mm. right? So mm-hmm. if you're black, like, and, and Michelle Obama talked about this in her book, being the angry black woman. The Michelle Obama, I think that I saw that she put out to the world was beautiful, mm-hmm. wonderful, constantly under attack by different groups of people. And did it handled with such it grace. With such grace, she was amazing. Yeah. And yet, she still got the label to some extent by certain groups of being the angry black woman. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you? Let's just let's like sort of peel back the the layers here. To be inclusive, we shouldn't need training on how to be inclusive, right. but we do, right. which which is fine. Yeah, and but you can be inclusive of everyone Mm -hmm. not just those who've come from the same schools and communities as you right if you're hiring people who are curious about other people and can put judgment very very low or even off to the side altogether and assume positive intent now all of a sudden you jerry myself when we come to a place as people of color we're going to feel a lot more engaged Mm -hmm. right right a lot more um inspired we're not necessarily going to be looking over our shoulders saying what's when is this other shoe going to drop what's next we actually have people who believe in us the same way they believe in others right right? so then exactly so that's the inclusion piece the other piece about which you started to kind of touch on was the pipeline right there's just not enough there's where are these folks these folks are everywhere you just have to be willing to find them you have to be willing to look and when you talk to this group of people i think about women who are technical and i've heard this year over year from different groups, different places. Uh, you know, she didn't show up particularly well. Her coding was a little slow. This may, you mm-hmm. have to remember, this is an interview. Right. This mm-hmm. isn't necessarily how she's going to do on the job. This right. also doesn't just go for women of color. This is white women as well, yeah. right? When you're coming to a technical place and you're a technical person, like, how do we make the, the interviews as such that people show up the way they're going to show up on the job. Yes. And maybe you don't interview each and every person exactly the same. You meet the person where they're at and you try to you try to discern is this person going to be successful in our environment rather than coming from the department of no, come from the department of yes, let the person prove themselves and then at that point you can understand whether the person potentially would be a good hire or not. It's it's funny having been in recruiting for so many many years and having seen a number of the same scenarios play over and over again. I remember having conversations about diversity and being awkward i figured as a diverse person i could just easily go in and have a conversation about diversity right. uh i did not i messed up a couple times myself it's like well we need to it's like well, what for we're a technical organization you know we have a bunch of guys in here who can come in and code and i'm not, i'm interested in the person that i can find the quickest yeah and i'm like well i can't really argue you know well, you know i'm right. kind of mumbling right now but you know you can't really argue with that you have goals you have to meet and things you need to actually produce under a certain deadline. Correct. Yeah. So, but how do we start to get you to think differently 
about talent, not just the tech talent, because tech talent is a little bit different in that either you can write code or you can't, either you write good code or you don't. Some of that has to deal with how you make me feel interviewer to interviewee, how you make me feel as somebody who's here. If you're constantly, I'm the smartest person in the room and I don't want to hear from you. And you know, I'm going to show you that I'm the smartest person in the room. uh, might not show up very well unless my ego is ridiculous, which oftentimes is associated with, in this case, males. Right. Right. Like males. Okay. You want to go one for one? Well, let's go. Right. Women be like, "Eh, you know, I didn't feel very good coming out of that, out of that meeting. Right. But when we take away the technical pieces and go to everything else, how are we bringing people along as part of the interview process? How are we bringing out the best in people so that we see, well, for the things that you have done, how have you shown up? How have you problem solved? What kind of outcomes have you gotten? Okay. This is something we can work with versus I have to have the person who's just, you know what, I need someone who's hired who's who's managed just one more person than the, than the most people that you've ever right. managed just one right. more you know if you had had just one more you would have this job okay uh, thank you gee <laughs> yeah. that's great feedback <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and i think some of the questions interview questions um it, it's it's crazy you know i mean asking to conform to the traditional work hours it's like what does that mean what do you mean conform to are you assuming that I'm not willing to. Right. So you're asking me the question, can I conform to normal working hours? What are normal working hours? And what is normal working hours? Yeah, it's it is. And I think I think it is at the interview process where we're able to bring in and discern what is good talent. Right. And people show up differently all the time. People also come from different backgrounds. Yep. They may not articulate things or speak the same way as right. you. Does that mean that they are incompetent right. because they don't fall within your parameters of what is articulate or not? Right. And I think there is a lot of individuals out there that are being pushed aside yep. and not giving the opportunity right. to actually prove themselves that if you want to move something forward, this is the right person to do it because this is what they've done. Right. This is how they look at things. This is how they manage. And it's like nobody sees that. Right. The I think the issue we have with a for-profit system, um, which you know is what we are, right. is that um, um, where's the profit in that, right? Like when we're talking about diversity and equity, what we're talking about is we're talking about um, corporate or yes. um, uh, social change. That's what we were talking about. And um, and we're talking about making a change within a very specific environment for a broader good. Right. Um, you know, and um, uh, which now goes into corporate responsibility, mm-hmm. uh, which are conversations that we just kind of just kind of touch on, you know, um, because bottom line is, you know, is the end all beat all of why we do something within um, within a corporation, within a for-profit organization. Correct. You know, And I think if we don't address it and we're not able to come to the table to have these kind of critical conversations about representation, about acceptance, about diversity, about differences, 
we can create a space of microaggressions, right. biases, unsaid prejudice. Well, I think I think we have that. Oh, we do. We're not even creating that. Like that's the current system. Well, look at what happened with um, with UPS. Yeah. Right with UPS, it's for years these um, long term um, non European descent. People were walking around on eggshells because there were all of these derogatory things that was happening. And subtle derogatory. Some of them some. were subtle. Some, some were was. Subtle. I mean, right. it's like hanging a noose. That's not subtle. Not subtle at right. all. And how do you have an environment where anyone would ever feel comfortable even hanging a noose. Right. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't remember, but I want to say this happened not too long ago with another company. And I went and did some research and I couldn't find it. I'm like, I know I saw this somewhere else too. But then that led me to also go do more research on UPS because I'm like, no offense, UPS, but this is not the first time you've been in the news mm -hmm. for not handling situations appropriately, which tells me to some extent your leadership team, HR, where do you get brave and courageous enough to say, we will absolutely not tolerate this. We have found the culprits. You are fired. Period. Period. And we are monitoring and we are changing our hiring practices so that we can make sure we hire in people who are compassionate, people who are who have diverse lenses. You don't have to be diverse to have a diverse lens, mm -hmm. right? So then that way you start hiring a different employee base. And then that way, the people who feel um, that it's okay to put up nooses and to have text messages saying, you know, well, we hope we win the lottery, which is a lot of people hope we win the lottery, but then to go on about the news story and we can always get a new news. And like, why would you ever feel comfortable having these sorts of conversations when we all know here in the US what that represents to, you know, a certain segment of the population? That's, it's not ever, ever appropriate. And, you know, when I look at UPS, I'm like, you know what? If it means I'm going to get a package shipped by UPS or by mm -hmm. somewhere else, if I have a choice, I'm going somewhere else. Yeah. If I can get it through going up the street and paying more money for it, that is exactly what I will do because I'm not going to spend my money. And this is part of what we talk about for-profit companies agreed that, you know, there's lots of reports that say, for pro that say diverse companies perform better over time, this and that. And with tech companies, it's a little questionable because these companies are not very diverse and many tech companies and won't name names, but perform extremely well. And so how do you kind of, mm, okay, but let's- You also might not have have the, a comparison there, right? Like, it, you right. know, like there's not a lot of diverse um, uh, tech companies to be able to say, well, you know- Look at this one. Right, look at right. this one. Yeah. Right, because when I think about like sort of the top five, they kind of look the same on paper, right? Right. Yeah. right? But going back to UPS, like how do you ensure <laughs> you have an environment where people feel safe? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. We shouldn't even need to have a conversation about people feeling safe at work. Right. And, and yet we do. we do. And we do. You know, I mean, it's like it's and it's it's all over. It's all over the news. Right. And so it's like, and I did notice in the past couple of years that the conversation around, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion has been on the rise. And I think it's, uh, you know, when I don't want to really get into the politics of it, but can't help it. 
when we have someone that is actually perpetuating racism on a large scale, Mm -hmm. there are individuals who have internalized this and actually held it. And now they feel free and courageous enough to speak up about it. Right. That's, That's leadership. That's leadership 101. That's leadership 101, which is a scary you, thing you because of the kind what it of is you are trying to and the kind right. of the leadership that we have. Right. Right. The leadership that we have that the impact is also moving beyond the boundaries of the United States. Correct. There is a reflection of who we are right now. Right. As a nation. Right. And it scares me. It's extremely scary thinking about the two people that were traveling on a plane or excuse me train in portland that were attacked and i know at least one of them died and this was was about was this a while ago mm -hmm, about a year ago maybe yeah and it's like wait a minute i'm just going wherever i'm going minding my own business and someone comes up out of nowhere right so people have sort of been it feels like there's been this well there has been because there's been reports on this resurgence Mm -hmm. of you know what, we've been quiet for too long and we're going to go out and show the world that we're here and we're superior and we're you're not going to replace us, right? Yeah. We, I mean, we heard that chant in Charlottesville. Why, why, I mean, you know, I know that we're here talking about, we started talking about corporations, UPS and tech companies, but time. frankly, it mm-hmm. just boils down to humanity. Yes. Right, right? that yes. what happened in New Zealand, th- why would someone ever feel comfortable going and taking somebody else's life because of their faith? And recording it like it was a first-person shooter video game. That I found to be extraordinarily yes. disturbing. And so then what's Facebook's response? And I understand it took them hours to bring it down. But Facebook has so many hours of ongoing live streams how can you constantly be on top? Like, what is their responsibility on top of what is the responsibility? Like the New Zealand prime minister, thank goodness for her. She was like, we will absolutely not tolerate this. We are changing our gun laws immediately. Right. And then I think we all know that they had asked President Trump, what do you think? Do you think this sort of behavior is on the rise? And, you know, I, and he's, his response was, there's a few I can't remember exactly the words he used, but a few people that are sick, that need help, that are out there doing these things. And it's just not true. Yeah, that's not that's not a that's not an accurate enough answer. There's there there it's com- it's way more complicated than that. Right. Um, you know, and uh yeah, it it's it is. It's a very complicated issue. I I'm I am personally grew up with guns. I, I actually do believe in the Second Amendment. Um, and when you have an environment where the proliferation of, of weapons are so great um, uh, that, uh, that um, the access to them is so easy, this is what, this is, this They're is easy what covert, for some, right? right? They're, They're easy, easy for some. For some. Who are they not easy for? So I'll just give one example. Yeah. Right. So there was a, um, my significant other. He's he was talking to someone who works for the city of Seattle. This fellow that works for the city, black, had a gun legally. For some reason, it got confiscated by the police. It was taken by the police, and then he went to go get it back, and they held on to it. Mm. He's like, wait a minute. 
this actually, I have the right to carry this gun. They're like, yeah, we're going to hang on to this a little bit longer. And I was like, go get more information, right? Because sometimes it's significant yeah. other, you know, it goes yeah, back with half details. But, yeah. you know, I'm like, but but what it was just explained to me actually does make sense, unfortunately. If you're a black male with a gun, and I saw somebody had filmed this little test, it ended up running on, on you know, one of the social media sites about a black man carrying a weapon in an open carry state, yep, and they yep. did one with a white man doing the same. White man, no issues whatsoever. Yep. A black man, I'm like, oh my gosh, you t- you could have lost your life yes. by how many cops are surrounding you with with their guns drawn, even right. And so, like, let's just call it what it well, is. That gentleman right? that was um, shot a couple of years ago in the gas station, he, right? And he and he told the officer, "I have a concealed right. carry yes. permit." Yes. Right. Yeah. And and the and the officer shot him. Right. He right. was like, "Why do you shoot me?" Right. Right. So yeah, <laughs> it's it fear. Is. Right. It was based that, in that case. It was based in fear, or the right. one that was in the car. Right. Right. Yeah. That I have a gun. I'm he, gonna go get it. Yes. Right. Yeah. And then now I'm gonna shoot. The right. mess out of you when your girlfriend's next to you and then there's a child yeah. in the back seat and so i mean we we you know if we don't start having the real conversations about fear and bias and hatred and dislike and unknown mm-hmm. right like we it feels like the 60s it feels like you know 1800s it, it, we're such an advanced people but yet on some things we haven't advanced as far as we should have or could have by now. And I think to, my question goes to why? Why, you know, I think about Jews will not replace us. Why do you think Jews are replacing right. you or anyone? Right. Like, I don't feel that, I, you know, I'm, not, I'm just a regular black person. I don't, yeah. I don't feel like anybody's trying to replace me. I do have a little bit of fear that someone will see my brown skin and actually decide today is my day that they're going to come for me. And that bothers the mess out of me, but it is what it is. I'm going to keep on living. But I don't understand where this whole we're being replaced comes from. People come to the U.S. for opportunity. Go ahead. Right. No, I, I was just, you know, I mean, just thinking about the word replace. When you think about being replaced, do you not have roots in deep roots in where you are, where you can claim your power already? There's the where, issue. you know, I mean, it's like I feel, you know, sometimes I talk about reclaiming, you know, it's like reclaiming my indigeneity, reclaiming my place in, uh, on the table or actually going up and, and, and taking it. I don't think I'm there is such a fear that we're going to disappear that you are trying to replace us. I mean, we're not, you know, there's a whole group of individuals who don't want to have um, immigration because they're like, they're taking our jobs. It's like, really? Are you really, is, is that really happening? So your job of um, picking cucumbers is is at risk? Oh, you don't pick cucumbers. Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like. Or mowing the lawn. Right. Like, or right. What are we really thinking yeah. here? You know? And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think there there is definitely that fear. So, and also with the fact that, yeah, not everybody has easy access to right. guns. You know, not everybody right. has easy access to that because there is Not everybody has easy access to legal guns. Not everybody has every easy access to legal guns. I, I think I, I would I would argue that part of the problem is is that 
first first off, a huge percentage of, of the guns used in mass shootings are not legal. Yeah, not, that's not all of them. Right, right. That's not all of them, but but most of them are, are not legally acquired right. weapons. Yeah, exactly. Um, th- th- there are so many And who's the mass shooters? What do they look like? What are these mass they're, shooters they're white look like? They're males. Right. For the most part, I mean, and, we, there, there's been a few uh, obscure ones, but and, right. yet and not say even female, right? right. No, they're, they're generally white there, males. There are white. there there have been female shooters. There have been people of color shooters. They are such an right. extraordinarily small percentage, but yet they call black and brown bodies angry. Right. They're fearful of black and brown bodies, but yet the mass shooting is by people of European descent, and so I feel that. You're right, Tamiko, about the humanity part of right. it, right. where we are not living up to our full potential because right. we're allowing difference, and well, and, and to, to actually the difference of the of where somebody comes from, somebody's religion, somebody's you know their phenotype scares them so much right. that we are allowing ourselves to make decisions to hate somebody. Hate and sometimes kill. Kill. And yes. Because we think so little of you that it's okay for you to not be here. Right. Right. I, so going back to this idea of replace, that you know, and, and where that comes from, um, you know, and I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before, that comes from a false, um, a false dichotomy. It comes mm-hmm. from a false belief system. And it's a belief system that... Uh, it, it's a belief system in the concept of whiteness. It's the belief system that um uh, of of an ethnicity that is based in whiteness and that there's nothing that could be more far from the truth there's no that that is a massive deception right and i think it's a perpetuated deception whether whether on purpose conspiratorially or not on purpose right. which is just lazy um you know so we talked a little bit about when i fill out a job application right. and it asks you know what what am i well it lists ethnicities and then it lists white non-hispanic right check which i don't even understand the non-hispanic well, part i don't get that, that part but... either <laughs> you know and then the other one is on the census you know where right. it, you know I'm, I'm we're about to take a sentence census it's yep. going to be happening here in, in in another year and when we take that my choice um is not of european descent it's not of of mm. um, nordic um, Irish, um, French descent, that, that these are right. not on They're there, not right? options, right. It's Caucasian white. Right. And those are not ethnicities. Those are, that, 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 is, that is a social construct. Whiteness is a social construct. Um, it does not refer to indigeneity, um, the Gauls, the Celts, um, the Germanic tribes, the Norse. It yep. doesn't, des- you know, it doesn't describe any any of the indigeneity of Europeans. It doesn't describe any of the of the genetic lineage of Europeans. And so, when you've got people who are calling for a white nation, a white state, <laughs> what exactly are they calling for? Yeah, I will, mean, you, will but, you ask your people? I'm teasing. <laughs> no, but yeah. I mean, I am teasing. But I mean, but I, it would be great if someone could go find out right because like you know the the problem named is the problem solved and i don't you know again i don't understand like how did we get to a place where we just hate people that we don't even know right like at least at least wait till you got to meet someone and they showed up (laughs) poorly and you know they weren't nice to you maybe then you just like because hate seems like a really strong word to me but you know then you just dislike but there's you know you're you're deciding you hate entire swaths of people, groups of people that you've never oftentimes even had any interactions with. You yeah. just saw someone yeah. wearing 
head garb and that made they them must someone be a mu- Muslim. That, right oh, and, they couldn't be Sikh right they, you know, they right right like so how do we how do we get to the roots I understand some people probably will never get there mm. but I have seen some documentaries about people who've like I'll just use an example like left the clan and they could see now they could see much more clearly than when they were in the clan and listening to their stories of how you know, coming out of it, I'm wow, it's, it's powerful. So people can change. And we've all seen the things about hate is Todd, and you see like, these two kids playing mm-hmm. together, and mm-hmm. one's very dark skinned, and one's very light skinned, and that they're happy. And it's true, right? They are oftentimes very happy because you don't know any better, and you, you do learn it over time. But, like, how, why, why do we want to perpetuate hate? Like, what is the point in doing that? If you, Go live, you know, this is probably going to be a strange comment, but okay, so you don't like this group of people. Why not just go live your life and let them live their lives? Right. You know, that's not where I want to be. I actually want to be surrounded by people who are diverse. Yeah. But let's say you do hate this group of people. Okay, then just go live your life and wherever you live and call that good as opposed to continuing to spew hatred. Like it takes work to actually to spew this type of rhetoric to everyone versus I just happen to hang out with a bunch of people who look like me and we have a good time. Yeah. We don't talk about, right? Like I, why do you have to come to these types of, you know, different types of meetings to talk about, you know, somebody not replacing us and we're going to carry pitchforks and yeah. we're going to get some guns and we're going to go sh- shoot a bunch of people in a church. You know, and this is happening more and more frequently. How do we sort of get to these people when they're everywhere? But how do you get to them early enough to sort of break down whatever's going on in their minds so that at least brings them off the ledge of killing other people? That is a good point is when do we reach them? I feel that it it starts in our school's. It starts in our schools. It starts and with home. and our home and our home. That's where it starts. It starts in our home. It and and I think it's it's more about the community, right? It's the community need to come together. We need to come together as higher beings yes. to actually stop this 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 atrocity. And but when we don't see representation. You know, we don't see it in our schools. We don't see it in our homes. Our homes are just going to be who we are. You know, that's that's where we get it from. The challenge comes is when we leave the confines of our homes, enter into our schools. If our schools don't have the kind of literacy that is actually going to expand the minds of these young individuals where they all they see is European descent, and then there's... When we are, I feel that speaking as an indigenous scholar, when we are erased from the, from academia and we don't have any representation, any one of us, any, any brown or black body, then there is a power that can happen above us where we can be told where we belong. We can be told who we are on how we act. And that is what the populace would be able to see. Because, well, we write the books, and in our books, we had the slaves. And the slaves, they were bad people. This is the way they came. The same thing with Pacific Islanders, with with Hawaii. 
the queen was so nice to give her island away. And it, she welcomed all of the people in. It was like, no, that's not how right. it happened. That's right. <laughs> that's not how it happened. But then we never questioned, wait a minute, who wrote the book? Who wrote the book? And why is it that there isn't real representation? If this starts right now, every single one of us will have to empty our cup and realize that the teachings that we've had before was false. How do we challenge that in the moment where it's like every single one of us who are in the place to educate have to be like, um, well, this isn't, this isn't true. You know, I go back and tell the truth. Right. You bring up a really good point. And I go back to some of the things I saw on the news lately about teachers and how they were dividing the class and had the black kids be the slaves, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, hmm, you're our educators and you're a part of the problem, right? How do we, you're with our kids all day long. How do we get you to a place? How did you get here? Like, why are you one of our, why are you one of our teachers? We've got to get you out of the system or get you to a place where you have inclusive behavior mm -hmm. and that you are trying to expand the minds of the kids who are all of the kids that are in the class. Right. Right. And, right. I, and actually, I think back to the way that um, police uh, police uh, agencies were sort of formed way back in the day mm -hmm. was to also keep people out mm -hmm. of their communities and it's like uh, you know so where do you start right. where do you really start how do you and it kind of goes back to again some of like the recruiting processes where are we entering and asking questions about behavior and how people show up and how you treat other people in general before right. we can even talk about you know are you qualified for the job based on these skills and experiences at a basic level how are you as a human being right yes. that's it and can we work with that that's where it starts and and uh that brings us kind of uh in a way full circle in the conversation because um um it starts with people acknowledging um first acknowledging that um we're not Yes, we're talking about race, we're talking about equity, we're talking about inclusion, we're talking about opportunity, we're talking about all these things. But really, the first foundation is, is we're talking about what does it mean to be human yes. and this human experience? And how is that experience different for different people? It's always going to be different. The reality is, is that the, the concept of equity as in we're all equal, never going to happen. There's always going to be things that are going to make individuals unequal to other individuals. I'm really, really, really strong. You know, like that presents an inequity with me and other individuals. Um, you know, but that doesn't mean that um, that very, very specifically, we can't we can't build an environment where um, where at least we are allowing people to join the conversation, join the movement, uh, you know, join the progress of human, um, you know, human ingenuity, human progress, right. um, where they're able, um, where they're skilled and, and cultivate that, build it, coach it. Um, so first it's, it's that human point. It's people coming to the place of saying, this is a human conversation about human experience. And second, 
um, it's saying, and I'm willing to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and we're not there yet. And that's why, um, and this is completely anecdotal, um, but I feel like it's true based off of our experience with Jerry's applications for jobs. You know, Jerry is uh, working on a PhD. She's in um, equity and inclusion work. This is what she does for mm-hmm. a living. She's very, very good at it. Yeah. Um, and yes. she um, and she applies for these jobs, and um, and the individuals, or she gets hired by companies. And the individuals who are doing the doing the hiring for her consulting, or um, the individuals who get the job that she's applying for within the corporations are are women of European descent. Um, and um, and you know Jerry will pull up LinkedIn profiles and be like, "This is the individual that got that job. This is right. the individual that got that job." Right. And so this person, all of their diverse experiences, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> well, they might have a master's degree in in diversity and multiculturalism. And multiculturalism, right? you know. So they're educated, yeah. Uh, but they're not coming, and that's the whole point. I think they're yeah. not coming to it w- from the perspective of of this is what it's like to that's live right. in an environment where I personally have had to navigate absolutely um, without this without this permanent cloak of whiteness, right? Well, and, that's the oh, and because it's a it's a threat to mm-hmm. to the it's a it's a it's a threat. It's on a it 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 is a threat. It's also a it's also a part of. You're able to manage it, right? Right. We're now able to manage this conversation. So now we're going to bring in the consultant, and we're going to spend time. Whereas if if Jerry gets hired, right, it's going to be a conversation of, all right, how do we change? It's going to be a really hard conversation right? that you're going to need, at at a minimum, the leadership team to lean in because the tone is set at the top. So if the the people that are on the bottom are like, yay, yay, rarely ever do you get sort of this groundswell from from the, you know, people who are lower in these in these companies to actually take hold and affect everything. Right. It's got to come from the top yeah and until then and people have to be willing to have crucial conversations and awkward uncomfortable take the mirror rather than having it facing out have it facing in yeah. right and i you know and i kind of joking about you know all of them and all their diverse experiences you know kind of right because you don't do you have to be a diverse person to be you know do you have to be a person of color let me put it that way a marginalized community to be someone who's the head of diversity no you don't uh, but how many companies actually have someone who has been on the front lines fighting for other folks that don't look like them very few especially as you get to these larger corporations it's the person who's very polished who can write the you know year end diversity report and talk about how much progress you didn't make and <laughs> all of these things that you put in place and then just put it up there with a nice pretty bow i've read enough of them and i'm like okay now what right. what what's next yeah. right. unless again i'll go back to the earlier comment unless you're sort of changing the type of employee that you're i'm not saying you lower the bar because that always seems to enter into the conversation but you know you add to the bar that you're looking for you want someone who has you want people who have some compassion and understanding and who want to learn from other people a, a variety a broad swath of people and not just I came from the same fraternity. Yes. I'm from the same community. 
Um, I'm sorry, I think I cut you off. No, I mean, I was just going to say that's the difference between cultural competence and cultural humility. Mm. We can we can have all the competence on multiculturalism on on issues around race, equity, and you know all of these things. We can have the competence, but unless you're able to walk and navigate your space in and and be part of all of the inequities that happen, you're never going to have the um, the the cultural competence and the humility yep. to walk. And also walk it with grace. Right. That you understand that the struggle is going to be hard. Right. You do understand that it comes from the top and those individuals will have to lean in into their own biases in, and changing the narrative from right. there. Mm-hmm. That it's going to be uncomfortable. But if you have someone in leadership who's able to be like, dude, I know what it's like to walk on this side. Yep. I also know what it means to be on this side. Let's yes. change it and start now. Who's doing that? It seems like HP actually is starting to do that. They put out a study a few years back about um, black people were three times more likely to be denied a job when qualified. Wow. And, you know, we all have seen enough reports of people who were not from the underrepresented population of, you know, when like white males apply for jobs, I think it's awesome. Like they generally meet like 60% of the qualifications, right? And it's like, hmm, interesting. I wish I could apply at 60% and potentially, you know, get the job. And, you know, but I got you know, the job with a D plus. Right, right. <laughs> and someone else taking my SATs. Um, <laughs> you know, but, you know, being denied when you're qualified is very different than being denied when you're not qualified. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, if I can't get this job and I am qualified, then where do we go? And at some point it starts to work on your confidence and your how you view yourself. And then you yes. start showing up not as well as you could be. And then right. next thing you know, the people who are interviewing you're like, oh, yep, yeah, that person, not a good fit because of you know whatever reason. It's like, wait a minute, you, actually society is part of the problem. Mm-hmm. right? And so how do we continue to build one another up irrespective? And that's why I really can appreciate someone like Trish Malines DeZico, who's gone off and started Technology Access Foundation, who has introduced STEM to inner city, underrepresented folks, people who are marginalized, and introducing it to them early. 100% college acceptance rate. Right now we're talking. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. then how does that, that group go that makes back? A it makes a huge difference. She's been doing this for two decades. And so I'm like, Trish, I need to get, I need, we need to sync up, right? And she's an ex-Microsoft person and, you know, it's amazing. How do we get, but she also is black, mm-hmm. right? So how do we get more and more people to do this type of work irrespective of whatever other, whatever your ethnicity is? Yes. It's building that it's building that network. It's, you know, pretty much knowing what we're all doing as, you know, as people of color. And it's like, wait a minute, hold on here. I know what she's doing. We need to get together so then that we can go ahead and make this change happen because it's only together that we're going to make it happen. That's right. And so I think that's how it is, is seeing one another. When we're able to see one another, we're able to help one another and we're able to encourage each other right. from that from that point and it's so important especially as women and you know there's only a few women especially especially pacific islanders who has a phd and i didn't get all of these 
you know, letters behind of my name because I wanted to, you know, you know, pretty much assimilate with quote unquote the white culture. I realized that putting these letters behind of my name was going to give me access to what I've never had before. Right. My responsibility now is to ensure that the door stays open for the next generation. Mm-hmm. So that way that generation can go ahead and continue to hold the door open. That is my responsibility. But you get to do it with hopefully other people. Yes. Right? Because you can't hold the door open. But it's a heavy door. (laughs) Right? It's a fire door and it closes on its own, right? And so how do you get people who are of the same ilk? as yep. well as people who are not, yep. to feel the same level of passion and energy and are willing to put their time and money and mind share behind it to do the same. Because it's not like a pie where there's only so much pie to right. go around. You, know, you took my job picking cucumbers, right? right. It's The pie actually can expand. Yes. Sure can. And now yep. we all get what we need. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And that's like, you know, that's that's weaving that that network right. of people where it's like we're all holding hands. We know the struggle. Right. So we all got to hold the door open. And it's creating a bridge. It's creating a bridge where we understand what it means to stand on the shoulder of giants. Mm-hmm. We understand what it means to honor our ancestors. And if everybody else is like, oh, man, we know the struggle. We've got to hold on tight because we've got a next generation that's coming over. And when we can build that bridge, I think we're able to empower one another. We're able to encourage each other to to work towards courageous acts yes. and not be afraid. And to know that, you know what, sister, I got your back. Right. But how do you encourage people who are, I'll call it the majority, comfortable, think things are fine enough because things in their world are are fine? fine. (laughs) You know, I think think that's a really good question to me, but I think it's showing up. It's showing up in spaces where we feel that we don't belong. Right. Showing up in spaces where we think or we've been told we don't belong. And when we show up, we show up in numbers. Do, do you like wine tasting? Uh, I'm a. Or are lemon, you just gonna go? There, I'm a right? lemon drop type of person, <laughs> but kind of person. Um, my my sister does, and so I've gone with her a number of times. So I can go, but I don't necessarily like it. Does that make sense? It makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense. Um, they don't do a lot of lemon drop tasting. They don't, no, unfortunately. It's really unfortunate. <laughs> well, we had a really um, interesting experience. A, interesting experience, and 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 Jeremy brings up you know, wine tasting because the um, Navahine Okamana, the Power of Women Summit that we're having on May 11th is actually going to be held at the uh, Hollywood Schoolhouse in Woodenville. And the, the Woodenville wine area is is really swanky right especially when you get out of the warehouse area right right, right. Get right. Into the there. Hollywood area. Okay. so we went yesterday with um, with a, a my really good friend Lashonda with she's Jeremy. my really good friend too. Uh-oh. She's, she's, she's our, our really good friend. It's a battle. Yeah. <laughs> and so Lashonda is six three African. No, 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 no. Lashonda is six nine. She's not six nine. Lashonda is six. That's not a joke. Lashonda is at least six seven. I'm gonna say six seven. Okay. I'm gonna say Lashonda is six nine to Tall. six seven. I'm leaning towards six nine. Okay. So Lashonda is a big black woman. 
And she knows herself. She knows how she appears. She knows. Even 6'3 is tall even, for a woman. So. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we're looking at the, because uh, she's our um, events manager, our events director. And um, I wanted to show her the space. So we go in there. It's a beautiful space. And we're going into the back courtyard. And I open up the door. And I'm like, you know, just kind of like pulling it because it's locked. And she goes, um, just remember that I am a Negro. I am a 6'3 Negro. 6'9. <laughs> I can't hide. I cannot hide. <laughs> right. Right. So you're pulling on the door right. that's locked. They're going to come get us. <laughs> We're both brown. They're going to come get us. <laughs> and it was interesting because here we are with... Send Jeremy. With Jeremy. Right. Our, our 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 husband of European descent. Yeah, it, 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 well, and, yeah, that's yeah. So we're you know like um, we we eat lunch had a great lunch and then and then um, over at the bistro um, um, and then walked across the street because we were going to do a little wine tasting and you know it's all outdoor seating it's a beautiful day tons of people are out um, and, um, it was interesting for a couple of reasons from, from, from my perspective as one, um, um, uh, I was immediately aware of all these people, all these people sitting there having wine and sitting in the thing, just, you know, um, nobody's, nobody's flat out staring, but they're definitely doing this. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then they're kind of turning their head and mm, kind of doing this. Side a lot eye. of the side eye, right? Like, like, uh, um, where they, where they walk past and, and their eyes are fixed to the side. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm not staring, but I'm staring, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, um, it was, it was really interesting. The other thing that was interesting was watching the two of you, right? Cause I'm like, walking my normal pace and these two are just slowly moving you know and i'm like let's go come on and Lashonda made a point she's like do not rush my presence into this space <laughs> i was like okay the queens okay have arrived yeah I get it. I get it. and it was you know i mean i walk fast when i'm with jeremy but when i'm with my girls it's like we know how we're gonna get stared at and we know that we are not going to uh-huh. rush our presence through the place. I like that. But everyone there will know that we're there. Right. Our presence is going to be so big that right. it's going to, you know, it's going to be there. So it's um, it's a uh, it, it was it was a really fun experience, and I think that's Good. how we encourage even those that who don't look like us, right, to be to see that whoa wait a minute, hold on here. There's enough space for everybody. There's enough pie to go around for everybody. I'm not losing anything. I'm actually expanding everything that I have if I'm able to share it. Right. I think that's the biggest, uh, well, one of the largest misconceptions um, about this work is this idea that um, that, well, in order to build equity, I've got to give something up, you know, as a white male heterosexual, I've got to give something up. There's, we don't, nobody's got to give anything right. up. We just got to allow, we just got to build a bigger table. Right. Right. And that's going to take more hands. Right. Um, yeah. Right. Yep. So it's, um, it's good. So thank you so much Tamiko, for, being on you know i mean if anyone wanted to contact you or what's going on what's what's some of the special things going on in your life you know this is it's an interesting time i have a 
ill parents. So it's a less fun time, but the diversity conversation is always there, which is amazing. Last company I worked for, I put together um, a diversity plan, diversity recruiting plan, and I've learned over time to actually put not just the how we do the recruiting piece and how many people should be on an interview loop and you know how many candidates we should see you know the, the Rooney rule and this and that but let's go further upstream and get people to a place where their minds are right and ready and you know bias busting myth busting um, compassion building right it's like how do you get these things first so then that by the time you actually go to talk to people you're in a different space yeah and then by the time you bring them on board whoever it is that you're hiring right. that you're also in a different space and everybody feels welcome and included so as i think about you know kind of transitioning from the taking care of an you know elderly parent back to the workforce i'm pretty keen on wanting to get to a place to that is if you're not woke today, that's okay, but you want to be woke. Mm -hmm. You want to do this work. You have an interest and a passion. You want to learn more about it, and you want to be a part of the solution. Yeah. And the funny thing is that kind of rules out, I'm just going to say it, a lot of places. They say it, but they're not necessarily doing it. And those places, I don't have an interest in going to. I want to go to places where they're, we're ready for the conversation. We're tired of what's going on out there, even if it's not affecting me and my community, whoever you're talking to. I don't want to see this stuff anymore. This stuff should not be happening. How can we be a, how can we be a part of the solution? Right. How can the place where we go to during our working or our wake hours? you know, eight to six, eight to eight, whatever it is, you're spending more time with these people than you are with your families. How can this be a place of love and family and inclusion? So I'm super excited about the next place and being able to bring this work forward. And thank you both so much for having me here today. This oh, was absolutely. amazing. I love these conversations. They're hard to have, right? <laughs> yeah. They're not really that hard to have. It's, you know, trying to keep your emotions sort of in check. Yeah. Right. right. And then right. that's the place where I'm like, okay, bring it back down T, right? So that you can <laughs> still hear, be heard, right? And that you can still hear when other people are talking. And I want to see us have more of these conversations with more and more people so Agreed. that we can start to impact this the is broader. you know i mean having this kind of conversation is all about aloha you know in my point of view and it is about coming to the place where we can have these difficult conversations with grace and empathy and love and so if we're able to come to that place i think we can change narratives and Jeremy's giving us a signal that it's almost time to wrap up. So a um, couple of things before we wrap up. You can find us on SoundCloud at Plowline as well as on the iTunes store, the Plowline podcast. We also have a Patreon page. If you like this uh, podcast and the other podcasts that you listen to, um, you'll find the Patreon link on both those sites. It's patreon.com backslash Plowline. Um, give us a buck. You know, um, I think we've got three tiers on there. Uh, we're working on some T-shirts and some other things that uh, that are going to be um, giveaways. 
Jerry's got some upcoming things that you can find at co3consulting.net, as well as uh, she can be hired for consulting, as well as both of us as a team um, to come in and do this kind of work in your organization. Thanks, babe, for plugging that. That was a good plug. That was a good plug. And also powerofwomen.rocks. We have our summit coming up on May 11th in Hollywood uh, Schoolhouse. We want to go ahead and actually reclaim that place. So... All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Tomiko. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.